time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number 93 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Caramel. Of course, because it's Holly Ann's favorite. <laughs> it's a caramel kind of a day. So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. So we're back. And let me tell you something. We're tired. Oh, it's been a crazy day. It's been a crazy two days here. Yeah. My parents are upstairs in my house right now. I got a call yesterday that they were in a major car accident on the expressway around Baltimore. They escaped with minor injuries. Thank goodness. So they're doing really well. They're doing really well. Yeah. Yeah, it was very scary. So that big scary thing aside, how are you doing otherwise? I'm doing okay. I'm excited. Tomorrow, Joe and I are going away for the 25th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary early. Yeah, thanks. Well, by the time this episode drops, we'll be well into September. Tomorrow. Right. And we've been married 25 years. And we've been around the world many places, but neither one of us had been to Charleston, South Carolina. So we decided to take a short plane ride and go there and check out to see if they have some chickens. Excellent. (laughs) Is Charleston the city where they have the feral guineas that live in one neighborhood? Is that Charleston? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Yeah. You need some photos of those guineas if so. Well, you know, if there's chicken, poultry, anything, I'm going to be getting (laughs) photos. So I'm pretty excited. On the other news front for me, there's a lot of news for me this week. The run is up, the run is finished, and the babies are outside. Yay. So I'm super happy about that. The three youngest babies are still in at night, and everybody else is out all day long. Yeah, my integrations are going very, very well. We've got the original group of pullets, the six pullets integrated in. There have been some things here and there, but it's going well. Right. But it's just about time to get the Andalusians and the Delaware integrated into the other flock. Yeah, my big run still split down the middle. So all the new babies and Gertie are with one coop. And then in the middle, we have the babies from last year, which they're the older babies. And then the big girls are relaxing in their brand new run. They look pretty happy in their new space. So that's great. Okay, so if I could just take a second to ask everybody a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. And while you're there, hit subscribe. That helps us grow so much. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is mention the show to a chicken-loving friend. You can visit our Etsy shop, see what we have for sale there. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links and codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! 
Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love the chicken pot holders and the Ikea scrub brush. My chickens are going crazy over those grubbly grubs in that box. And the chicken note cards are going to be great to send into school with the teachers. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog, and don't forget, pre-orders start November 2022 for the spring 2023 season. La 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 la, it's time for the breed! Spotlight, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like really excited about this one. It's a yes. cutie. It's a very cute chicken. Now, everybody knows if you know me on social media, when I write stuff, I say cutie a lot. I like <laughs> cute chickens. So when you look at this little chicken, you're going to say, Chrissy it, was right. It's cutie. It it's is a, cutie. a very cute chicken. Yeah. This week's breed spotlight is the Barbu de Watermel. I call him Barbu de Watermelon. I know. <laughs> We have been talking about this chicken a lot, and we have been saying watermelon a lot. So, hey, if well, you slip up, I'm okay Yeah, with that's it. what I'm afraid of. I'm going to slip up. That's okay. So, the Barbuda watermel is one of a group of bantam chickens that have developed in various regions in Belgium. If you're listening a lot, when you hear us talk about where these chickens come from, a lot of chickens come from Belgium. A lot, yeah. It was a heavily chickened area. <laughs> <laughs> it was an extremely heavily chickened area. So barbu just means bearded. So yeah. anytime you hear a bantam or a chicken referred right. to as barbu, it's bearded. Mm-hmm. They are tiny, true bantams. Right, which means they don't have a big counterpart. And they have a spiny rose comb. We'll talk about that in a little while. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a swept back crest. So think like crested cream leg yeah, bar. Yeah, they're super cute. So they have the crest that goes along with the beard and muff. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you this little... Like chunky monkey. Yeah. And they are considered a rare breed in their native Belgium. Of course. I mean, raise your hand if you actually have heard of this chicken. Holly, we know you. <laughs> I went through school with you. You didn't always sit in the front row. Come on oh, now. I no, I didn't sit in the front row at all. I didn't want to be in the front row. <laughs> but yes, we know you know about this chicken. So the Watermail Botsford region is like a largely residential suburb of Brussels. Okay. Yeah. It's on the upscale side. It was home to a man named Antoine Dress 
who lived in the Chateau de Fougères. Oh, wow. Now, just FYI, current day, the Chateau is now a luxury condominium. All right, yeah. Just so you know. (laughs) So Mr. Dress and his son Oscar developed this breed in the early years of the 1900s. Most sources say that Dress relied heavily on the larger Bantam Barbuda Anvers for the foundation stock, and perhaps the Bantam Brabanter. Oh, yeah. I could see that. There we go. He would never disclose what breeds he did use. I guess it was his state secret. The only thing he would say is that the Polish was not one of the breeds. The Dress family was likely on the wealthier side. You know, it's an upscale suburb. They live in the chateau. But that gave them time to devote to breeding and establishing a breed club. And apparently the first time that this breed was shown was in 1922. Okay, so not too far back, Mm -hmm. really. I mean, we say that now, like everyone's like, oh, the 1920s. But 1922 wasn't that far when we talk about like BC with chickens or whatever, you know? The Romans did not have anything to do with the Barbu de Montermel. Nope. It's like on the order of the Nankin size. So yeah. It's a, it's a little bird. I think from always seeing your Nankins and stuff that I'm kind of desensitized to that amount of small Probably. now. Like once you see them a lot, they're just normal. Yeah, it's true. But you do have to take special care. And, you know, bantams, they're different than adult yes. big chickens. Your roosters, about a pound and a half. Wow. And your hens are about 1.2 pounds. They're almost the same size. Yeah, they're very similar to Nankins in size. The boys and the girls are about the same size too. Not much difference. Yeah, not much difference at all. They're incredibly tiny chickens. And like you said before, they do look like a little chunk because of all the feathers. They remind me like if a chipmunk was a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it though. We saw some video through Green Fire Farm. We Mm -hmm. have them. I mean, it reminds me of a bunch of little chipmunks. like The little face and muff, they're really cute. So your hens are going to lay small white eggs. Now, in the early days... The records reported them to be good layers. I don't know what is a good layer. That's just what I saw. They're right, good layers. Right. They're reported to be hardy and healthy birds, although they likely need heat in the north, like you were just saying. Any bantam. Bantams really need some extra care in the yeah. winter. They also come in a wide variety of colors. Now, that rose comb, the spiny rose comb. Oh, boy. It's unique because it has three spikes at the end. Okay. My Dolly the Dominique, you mm-hmm. know, she has a rose comb with a little spike on the end. Mm-hmm. They literally have three little spikes. Wow. It's really unique looking. Now, the beards, the muffs, and the backward facing crest are all very full. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of feathers packed on that little body. They have slight colored legs, so very pretty. Everything about them is just really nice. I mean, they would be what I like to call a pocket chicken. Oh, yeah. Someone that you're going to keep around with you, a house chicken. Like a lot of the chickens we've done lately, they really fall under the show chicken or companion chicken. I like companion chicken. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to be with you. I mean, unless you have a large flock of bantams, you're definitely going to have to give them some special consideration with that weight. They're not necessarily a utility or homestead breed, and that's fine. They're not going to be one that you're going to be like, I'm going to get this chicken because I want seven eggs a week, and I want them to be large. No. They're going to give you some eggs during the week. They're going to be bantam size, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be companions. They are happy and active little birds. I mean, I'm sure they make really great company. Now, one thing they could be good for is a 4-H project. Yeah. I would think a little older so that they would be gentle with the bantam. Mm -hmm. Is such a small chicken. They definitely have to have some consideration for that. Absolutely. But definitely companion for sure. They're so stinking cute. It's hard to find a lot of detailed information on them. The Belgian Bantam Club of Australia had some history on their website about the formation of the various clubs, as well as how and when these cute little birds were shown. Okay. And according to their information, at one time, the Barbu de Vautermel was shown in different color varieties. Okay, so let's go ahead and name those. Mm-hmm. There's black, white, gold, blue, cuckoo, and millie floor. 
All of our faves. The Millie Floors are ridiculous. <laughs> if you're interested in breeding them, you can find a useful breed standard with the British Poultry Club or the British Belgian Bantam Club. So if you're here in the U.S. and you wanted to get some of them and you wanted to do a breeding project, I would go straight to them for your breed standards. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, I've been talking about Green Fire Farms, and here we're going to officially mention that that's where you're going to get them in the U.S. Yes, they sell them as straight-run day-old chicks. They call this breed the cutest that they've ever seen. When I look at them, they look like little chipmunks. Yeah, they do. How do you get much cuter than that? The staff at Green Fire Farm also say that they do make amazing pets, that they're very easy to train. They're happy to cuddle up on your lap. They're cuddle birds that are intelligent. Tiny lap chickens. So does it get much better than that? No. So cute. So if there's anybody out there that has this cute little watermelon baby, send us pictures on Instagram. We'll give you a story. We would love to see your babies. And if you want to cuddle, this might be a good one. Yeah, definitely a fantastic companion chicken. I mean, if you're not looking for a utility breed, if you're, say, a chicken lady or a chicken man, who wants a really pretty companion chicken. Oh, yeah. These would be fantastic if you're in an urban area, yes. small space, small We coop. always talk about this. If you're in an area where you can only have a small space for your chickens, bantams are the way to go. Absolutely. It's a no-brainer. If you want a cuddle chicken, this one is one that's pretty cuddly. Yeah. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosty's store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick waterer and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water or nipple and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosty's range or follow the link in our show notes. So let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that I really love. Now, we've heard the jokes about my bandages a lot. Who makes jokes about your bandaging? <laughs> so who would do such a thing? Today's main topic is chicken wound care. And a lot of chicken wound care has to do with bandaging. Some of it, you're not going to put a bandage on. Other stuff you are. But back in the day, and still now, actually, mm-hmm. was known as the bandage guru. Oh, you put some bandages on. (laughs) They're not moving when you bandage something. And, you know, it goes back to like when an animal would come in for a bandage and then somebody would take them home and then it would come off in two seconds and then you would have to redo it. And then... Oh, yours are not coming off in two seconds. The vets would be like, look, we just wasted all this bandage material. You wasted these people's time. Mm -hmm. So over the years, you definitely got used to, look, this has got to be a no-nonsense not coming off Yeah. So wound care is something that, despite our best efforts, does require attention every now and then. That's for sure. There's many different things that can cause wounds. Absolutely. I mean, the good news is that most wounds can be treated at home and most chickens make a full recovery. 
Now, there's wounds if you have a predator attack or mm-hmm. other things that will need veterinary attention. Absolutely. So, you know, you have to really look at what caused it. Yes. The severity the of severity the severity of it, how deep it is. And we say this a lot. Chickens tend to granulate their skin in very quickly. Right. It regenerates very quickly. It really does. And so, like, the severity of the wound, like, if it's not super deep and it's going to grow in quickly and the others aren't going to mess with it, you can probably leave that chicken with a flock. Right. But in some cases, the bird does need to be separate while recovering. And then if it is in a place where you can put a bandage and you're putting them back with the flock, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is to bandage it. Yeah. To cover it so yep. that they're not going to be able no to see picking. it and not pick at it. Yep. So let's go over the types of wounds that are ones that you might come across. So your basic cuts and scratches that can come from wire, yeah. from... Your substrate, if there are wood chips in there or something, another chicken's nail, right. anything like that. So there's also bites. There's puncture wounds, which can come from the same things. Yeah. Eye injuries. Now that, most of the time, unless it's really minor, we're going to tell you to take an eye injury to the vet. Yes. Foot injuries. And this is a big, huge one for chickens. Because? It leads to bumblefoot. Yeah. But foot injuries can be bumblefoot or they can be a foot injury. Right. There could be actually a cut or a laceration on your chicken's foot. It isn't necessarily bumblefoot. But like you were saying, abrasions and cuts on the bottom of the foot can lead to it. Okay. So... We talk a lot about first aid kit. Mm-hmm. And this one, we're kind of going to go back and reiterate a little bit about the first aid kit because the quality of your wound care comes from what products you have. Your supplies kind of make or break you on this one. Exactly. So if you don't have the right supplies, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to treat the wound like you need to. Right. So let's talk about some things that you should have in your first aid kit for wound care, no matter what. The first thing I keep on hand is teramycin. And you can buy that at TSC or your local feed store. Yeah, and it's an antibiotic ointment for the eye. Right. And the reason, and even though we said- Pretty broad spectrum. It is, yeah. It's like a triple antibiotic. Don't use triple antibiotic in place of it. But the reason I keep this on hand, even though we said if your bird actually has an injury to their eye, get them to the vet, I will use teramycin if there's an eyelid injury. Yeah. Because if you're putting anything on that eyelid, it's getting in their eye. You want it to be safe. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing is vet wrap. Vet wrap is a must. We've talked about this many times. You have to have vet wrap at all times. Hyboclans, Novasan, they're both the same thing. They're derivative of what's called chlorhexidine. Chlorhexidine is a surgical scrub that is used in both human and animal care. It is an antibacterial and an antifungal for the skin, wherever you're going to use it. It's essentially a powerful but safe antiseptic. Thank you. (laughs) If you don't have it and you want to go to your local drugstore Mm -hmm. and you go into the wound care section, Hypoclens is there. And it's a lot of times, this is from having a husband that has multiple knee surgeries all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They tell him to scrub his knee for three days before the surgery with Hypoclens. I think that's pretty common for pre-surgery for various places. I think Pete had to do it for his back too. So it was so funny because I didn't really get the correlation at first that Hypoclens was chlorhexidine Mm -hmm. because I didn't even look at it. Yeah. And then I go and I take Sammy to the vets for something. And basically, I'm talking to my vet. I said, I didn't have any chlorhexidine. He goes, yeah, but you talk about Joe and knee surgery and you have Hyvoclens. And I was like, wait a minute, that's chlorhexidine? So he taught me that that's exactly what that is. Yeah. So to have that around to clean is top notch. Absolutely. Any form of it is very important. Though I will ask this, in your opinion, do you think that if you don't have these things and you have an emergency, like a diluted iodine would work? That can always work. 
this is the best, but you need right. something to clean it and you can get it at the drugstore so it's easily accessible. Yeah. It's something that from the beginning, once you have it, it will last a long time. Mm -hmm. Every time you scrub with it, you don't need to use a ton. It suds up very well. Yeah. But like you said, iodine or a lot of people don't like peroxide because it doesn't really do anything. It's you can't drying. use alcohol because it stings like right. anything. It will hurt them. So this is why we say this is a thing to you have. You can get it in a lot of forms. I mean, we used to keep Novel Sand. We would buy the gallon yeah. jug of it and keep it in the tack room on the farm. It comes in a gel and it comes in a liquid. Mm -hmm. So you can use it for spray or you can use it for scrub. The HypoCleanse comes in the scrub version. Uh -huh. So what I usually use around the house with the chickens with it is Vetterson or something like Bye Bye Boo Boo's right. by Strong Animal Chicken Essentials. Those are your spray antiseptics. Right, right. To clean out a wound. So let's say you have a long scratch. Yeah. And you're bringing the bird up to clean it and spray it out with Veterasin or something like Bye Bye Boo Boo's. So you have the supplies to clean out. You're going to need something to use. Sterile pads or mm -hmm. just gauze four by fours. Right. You can buy them in bulk. Yeah. And they're good to scrub out any kind of wound. Now, yeah, that's here's true. You could use it for scrubbing. Here's the thing that most people really don't think of, but when you work in an OR with animals or people, it's drilled into you constantly. When you scrub a wound, you start from the inside and you move out in big circles. Mm -hmm. You never go back where you once cleaned. Which makes perfect sense. So when you do a surgical scrub, you start in the middle and then you make little circles out, 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 and then you throw it away and get another four by four. Mm -hmm. This you want to use on just average wound cleaning because right. you don't want to drag bacteria from the outside back on the inside to yeah. the wound. So it's a good thing to have those pads and have plenty mm -hmm. of them. I feel like you can never have too many syringes. I have a ton. I know, me too. <laughs> so I really like syringes for flushing out wounds, things like that. And then our go-to. Silver ointment. Yes, because it's broad spectrum mm -hmm. and it is a good healing agent. It's fantastic. Everything from bumblefoot to cuts and lacerations bites. Let's backtrack for a second and talk about bites. So bite wounds are tricky. You can have a simple bite wound like, say, somebody bites someone on the comb. Yeah. And that's pretty simple and straightforward. I've had that with Lucy before. Yeah. The bigger lot. the comb, the bigger the target. Heck yes. But then there are other bites. There are bites from a predator, a dog, something like that. And sometimes those are straightforward, but sometimes those are puncture wounds. There's even a difference when you talk about bites versus puncture wounds mm -hmm. because bites from other animals contain a lot more bacteria yep. than anything else that they may puncture with a piece of the wire or anything else. So those are going to take a lot more surgical scrubbing, antibiotics, usually the veterinary visit. Yeah. But to start at home bite wounds, any wound, you're going to start with cleaning. Right. And I think with puncture wounds, is it the case that you don't want to say, push a bunch of stuff up into the wound? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> so you're just going to clean the outside of it? Yeah. And what you can do also is if you have the Novasan HypoCleanse, those are brand names of chlorhexidine. If you have a liquid, if you have the Bye Bye Boo Boo's or Vetterson, you can put that in a syringe and you can flush out the wound a little bit if you have a puncture wound. Okay. So a syringe, like you said, why it's handy is you put the antiseptic in it. Mm -hmm. You can use the syringe to push the liquid through and clean it. But in general, if you have a deep puncture wound... Don't a vet, mess with it. Go to yeah, a vet is really the best idea. Heck yes. 
So one other thing we should mention. Fly strike. Is fly strike, yeah. If you have a puncture wound, if you have just a wound in general, yeah. especially one near a vent area. Anywhere really. The vent is where I think you most commonly see them, but anywhere. And it's spring or summer, mm-hmm. mostly summer. You have a possibility of having fly strike. And that's when a fly lands there and lays their eggs. Yep. And then what's called the most disgusting name, maggots. They it really is a gross word. It is. And they feed off of dead skin from the wound. Debris, things like that, yeah. So then they create a bigger wound and then they burrow in there. It's disgusting, but you need to know. Right. So that's when you want to go to the vet, but you first want to flush it all out, clean it all out as much as you can, and then get to a vet. For that one, prevention is key. Oh, yeah. Cleanliness. I mean, if it's something bad, if there's a lot of discharge from the wound, something like that, keep them inside. Yeah. It's not worth taking the chance that your bird gets fly strike. Sometimes a larger animal will get fly strike and can handle it. It can take a chicken quickly. Yeah. It can also happen to small animals like dogs and cats. Yeah. And it did. And when I worked in the animal hospital, we drew straws because no one wanted to be the one that had to debride it. Yeah. Because it's really gross. It's gross. So let's move on to you have a wound that needs bandaging. Mm -hmm. Depending upon where it is, what it is, there are many different types of bandages. We always talk about granulation and regeneration of the skin of the chicken happens pretty quickly. Right. And bandaging can help that along also. Mm -hmm. One that I love is called the Bobby Jones of Robert Jones bandage. Basically, it's a stabilizing bandage. So if you have a potential broken leg, a sprained leg on a chicken, a sprained toe... You're going to use this type of bandage. And this is often used in an animal hospital Mm -hmm. to stabilize a broken bone or a pulled tendon or anything like that. It starts with stirrups on the skin. It's a big, wide bandage that is used to stabilize. Any of the other bandages that you're going to do, usually with chickens, they're used to regenerate skin. So when you say a stirrup, explain that. Okay, so a stirrup is, we have white medical tape mm-hmm. that you can buy in the drugstore, you can right. get on Amazon. That's the stuff that's mildly adhesive. So it doesn't irritate the skin. Right. On either side of what you're trying to stabilize, you're going to put a long strip of white tape, mm-hmm. and then they come and join together. Okay. So then you're going to take an either splint or rolled cotton, rolled gauze, and vet wrap, and mm-hmm. you're going to make your bandage. Now at the bottom, you're going to undo the tape that's together and then turn it and bring the stirrups up on each side. And what this does is holds the entire structure on the leg or the foot or wherever you're stabilizing. Okay. So what it does is it keeps that bandage up. Yeah. Like you said, it's stabilizing. Exactly. So it'd be perfect for- um, Leg injuries. I didn't want Drusilla to have an injury, but I was like, man, I'm back to these bandages. That's like one of the heavy duty bandages. You're probably not going to need that for just say a scratch on a leg. No. Or a milder wound. It did take you 20 minutes to cut my bandage off. Oh my God. It did. I, if I, I have to see if I still have pictures of that because it's pretty comical, but the bandage works. Well, I couldn't get the bandage scissors in there because it has so many layers. <laughs> and so Pete's holding Drusilla and Drusilla's looking at me like, lady, what are you doing? And she had been bandaged up for like a week. I had been doing the bandages multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. So she was used to it. You know, she was just like, oh God, here we go again. Right. But the thing is, she had a torn ACL basically and it was stabilizing it. Right. 
with a torn ACL and a chicken, unless someone's invented some kind of fantastic method, you really can't reattach an ACL in a chicken. No. And they just go on their merry way, but they've got a little hitch in their gallop. Yeah. Now, if you have a wound that you want to bandage on to protect it mm-hmm. with antibiotic ointment. Or silver ointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always recommend a telfa over the wound. Because it doesn't stick. It's non-adhesive. Right. So telfa is a non-stick pad. Exactly. And the gauze sometimes will stick in yeah. and irritate the wound even more, mm-hmm. where the telfa will not. I use Telfa for Bumblefoot. Yeah, me I cut too. It, cut it down to size. Me too. If you're frugal and careful, you can actually cut them in half. I cut them in, for Bumblefoot, tiny pieces, a quarter. You could do a quarter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do it right on the pad. Yeah. And it gets any seepage mm-hmm. away from it. Right. But it does not stick. So it's protecting it in many different ways. Mm-hmm. The last bandage I want to talk about before we move on is called Wet to Dry. And it's used for a wound that takes a large area of skin off, but you Mm. can't suture it. Yeah. So a lot of times you would scrub and then lay wet gauze on that skin. How do you wet the gauze? With just antiseptic. Mm -hmm. Novasan or chlorhexidine is your best friend. Okay. And you lay it on the wound. Mm -hmm. And then you bandage kind of like a Robert Jones, but lighter. Okay. And what happens is that gauze dries and that bandage stays on for a few days. As the gauze dries, it's going to take off that top skin layer. Mm -hmm. And then under it, you grow from the inside out. You don't want to have a top layer and not be healed under. One of the reasons chicken skin granulates in so quickly and so well is because it's very high in collagen. Yeah. If you have like a small puncture under and Mm -hmm. you get a scab over top, that's how you get an abscess. So it has to regranulate from the inside of the wound, regenerate that skin tissue, heal it up from the inside and then close up around on the outside last. And that's what sometimes these wet-to-dry bandages do. They do them for people Mm -hmm. in the burn unit. Those are types of bandages. And those are my main three that I use. So really, when it comes to chicken wounds, you have two or three jobs. You need to keep it clean. You need to keep it as free of bacteria as you can. And that can include debriding or oral antibiotics Mm -hmm. or even, I guess, injectable in some cases. And then your other job is to... Protect. Exactly. With the bandages. Mm -hmm. I love bandages. That was one of my favorite things. (laughs) I love bandages. That was one of my favorite things because it's kind of an art form. To be honest with you, after doing it so many years, you pride yourself on, okay, that bandage stayed on for the two weeks it was supposed to stay on. Yep. And like a wet to dry, it's satisfying when they come back and you strip it off and you see that regenerating of that skin. I mean, really... This is years ago now when my farm vet used to take care of my chickens. He used to send people to me for bumblefoot bandaging. Yeah. And, you know, it works. I put a bumblefoot bandage on, it stays on. Now, there are many years of trial and error and frustration in there, but yeah. The other thing to really remember with bandaging is, and this is a number one rule across the board with any animals, is not too tight. Not too tight. Because you will cut off circulation. Chickens have less of a circulatory system in their legs and feet. Okay. So they have less of a blood supply. Right. Okay. So it's very hard to Mm -hmm. cut that off, but it can happen. Don't go too tight. You want it just tight enough to stay on. Just tight enough to stay on. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. If you can't get a little piece of your finger or anything under that bandage. Too tight. Too tight. Mm-hmm. So you'll cut off circulation and you will lose a limb. For lack of a better way of saying Yeah, yeah. Let's go into when you should see a vet. Anytime you have a wound large enough that needs to be stitched. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say over my years, there were occasionally wounds that I saw and thought there's no way that could be stitched. 
Well, they can often be stitched when you think they can't. Yeah, and it's That's usually like a veterinarian that knows how to work the skin. Yes. To see, to stretch it just at that right amount. And yep. if they can't, that's where the wet dry bandages come along. Right. If they can, mm-hmm. if not, it is keeping it clean so it can grow from the inside out without a bandage yeah. to heal. But yeah, stitches, if they need antibiotics for anything that are oral. So like that's the predator attack yes. where there could be all kind of bacteria yes. from predator's teeth and saliva. Exactly. Anything that could be painful. Oh. I'm going to take my bird and get anti-inflammatories to try to manage their pain. Yeah. Chickens are very stoic and don't show their pain. But if it looks like it hurts, it probably hurts. As a prey animal, they know to not show weakness. Right. So they're not going to show you pain. Most flock and herd animals are stoic like that. Exactly. So it's really, you have to use your best judgment. So the best thing to do is to go to the vet. Go to the vet. And as we always say, if we know a lot of you feel like you don't have a lot of vets in the area, if you're having a hard time finding a vet, message us and we will help you find one. Yeah, we'll do our best. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a point that you added in was tetanus. Tetanus, yeah, because almost every farm animal needs a tetanus shot. And we need tetanus shots. We do. So tetanus, it falls in the clostridial bacteria family. If any of you have goats or sheep or other farm animals, they'll get a CD&T vaccine. Right. So that clostridium CD&T. So we don't vaccinate poultry because lucky birds, they are extremely resistant to clostridium tetani bacteria. Good news. Yeah. According to the Merck Vet Manual, and I quote, the lethal dose for pigeons and chickens is 10,000 to 300,000 times greater on body weight basis than that for horses. Yeah, I can say it. Now think about how big a horse is, and you're talking 10 to 300,000 times greater. Wow. Horses, sheep, people, etc. we are all very susceptible to tetanus. It, it's something you don't want to play around with. How do you get tetanus? Rusty, wires, anything like that. Tetanus Metal. often like step on a nail, yeah. puncture wounds, yeah. wounds to the feet, things like that that let in that. That bacteria that sits there and grows on it. Exactly. So if you look around your run, make sure you don't have anything sharp. This is how we can stop wounds from happening. It's Again, just prevention. Prevention, prevention yeah. is always the key to any of it. Exactly. Sharp edges on wire are big. Yes. Sharp things sticking up in the run. My Swedish flower rooster Casper that had that terrible bumblefoot that went on for months, we're pretty sure that was a puncture wound. Yeah. Because the run was on it was a pre-existing area on the family farm, and there was rusty old chicken wire buried in there. Oh, yeah. And I found it and pulled it out, and I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But yeah, another thing to think about is if you keep a rooster, trim and round or file his toenails, because yeah. roosters can definitely put nasty scratches on a hand. That's one of the big ways that they get wounds. Yeah, yeah. They don't mean to do it. A lot of people will think that roosters tear up a hen from their spurs. No. No, it is their toenails. Their spurs are Everybody's sticking. scratching everybody with some nails. There's nails flying everywhere. The spurs go in the opposite direction. But toenails, yeah, that's a huge source of wounds. The spurs have to be, you know, like they're doing it on purpose. Yes. It's not like an accidental. Nails are accidental a lot. Right. So, yeah, watch out for that Especially with the big roosters or the big hens. Yeah. Like they're trying to hold on. Yeah. And so they, you know, they grab on with their claws. So, yeah. So, if you have a wound, you have a question, you can DM us or email us. We'll do our best to help you. And if we feel like 
it's something that we can't help you with, we will help you find a veterinarian. Absolutely. It's been a source of frustration for me to occasionally be in an online chicken forum and have someone post a photo of a chicken that has a bad wound and have everyone say, oh, no, no, put that chicken out of their misery. No, chickens can rebound from sometimes heinous looking wounds. Oh, yeah. And for heal sure. and be just fine with pain management and antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah, you can do a lot. Mm hmm. So let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Today, Ella is going to be listening to this cracking the eggs segment because we are doing Ella's Easy Big Truths. <laughs> Ella is my 12-year-old, and she does a lot of things that surprise me. She's very independent, fiercely independent, and sometimes when we're working, she gets bored. So generally, when we're working and she gets bored, she starts to bake. Yes, which is really impressive for a bunch of reasons, but she said she made churros, and I was like, wait, churros are not easy to make. They were good. Yeah. So this is an easier version of churros, but it's still kind of yeah, complicated. She, she did really well. And the last step was the broiler to crisp them. Right. And she wasn't familiar with broiler. So they were in a little too long, but she did excellent. I told her I usually have mishaps with the broiler. You have to almost stand there. You do. You do. Even with like the sweet potato casserole at Thanksgiving. With the marshmallows. Yeah. I stand there with the yeah. marshmallows yeah. because it goes from perfect to burnt very quickly. Right. So the thing to know about these churros is, again, they're baked. And so you're right. not deep frying them. No. And that's why you use the broiler to crisp them a bit. And that's what she did. She did right. the baking. So churros are generally shoe paste, the kind yeah. of pastry that you make eclairs and things like yes. that with. And they're traditionally piped. She did not use a piping bag. She used a she bag. She tried. Yeah, she used a plastic bag with a corner cut off, which you can use. Here's the thing. We were working hard. She was figuring this stuff out on her own. I know. A 12-year-old. No. I love it. It's really great. So you're still going to cook the dough in a saucepan. You want a third of a cup of butter or dairy-free butter. No, I just use Earth Balance. It works great. Yeah. You're going to melt the butter and a couple of tablespoons of brown sugar in a pot. Melt the butter and you're going to add water. Right. Bring it to a boil. Then you're going to stir in that flour. Yep. And you can use regular flour. You can use gluten-free flour. You're gluten-free, but we're not. So right. she bakes with She did with the regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works either way. And then once you have this flour stirred in, your dough is pretty well mixed. You're going to take it off the heat source, mix in your vanilla, and then you're going to have two eggs. Two eggs. You're going to mix them in one at a time. And I think the dough starts to look a little like it's separated. Right. You just keep mixing until it blends in. And then... The piping bag. The piping bag. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of people know churros as braids. A lot of people pipe out and then they braid them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the classic look of the Mm -hmm. churro. But you can just pipe them and make them that way. That's Mm -hmm. how she was doing them. That's like the classic way that you know them, but they can be just piped in a single line also. I've also seen home churro makers use a star tip so that they're ridged. Yeah. But you don't have to do that. No. It can just be a plain strip. So then you're going to pipe them out and put them on a baking sheet. So you only need to bake them 10 minutes. This isn't a recipe where you can go out and weed the garden. No. Put them in for 10 minutes, and then they need to go into the broiler. Where you get them nice and golden brown. I like to say golden brown. Mm Mm-hmm. And after that, you're going to put them in melted butter and then cover them in cinnamon. And we do brown sugar also. Cinnamon sugar, yeah. 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 And then the only thing left is to enjoy them. The other thing Ella did with hers, which I thought was nice, was she melted chocolate. Oh, yeah. And then drizzled the chocolate over the churros. Very nice. We didn't have any melted chocolate, so we had Hershey bars from, yeah, that works. from going to do s'mores in the backyard. Uh-huh. So she just put them in a microwave-safe bowl and microwaved them until um, they melted. I don't even bother to melt chocolate on the stovetop anymore. I do it all in the microwave. She's very resourceful. She is. She so is. 
they came out great, and she's going to be so happy that we put her out here on cracking the eggs. Thank you, Ella, for sharing your recipe with us. Thank you, baby girl. It's yummy. Okay, so if you have pictures, if you do this at home, send us the pictures. We'll put you up on our stories and give you a shout out. Okay, so let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. We're keeping it simple this week because we're coming into a fall season. Right. We took a look at scratch grains. And there's a lot to pick from and then not so much to pick from. At the base, everything is a mixture of grains. Exactly. There are a lot of inventive mixes out there right now. And I kind of doctor mine up anyway. Exactly. And that's something that you can make your own Mm -hmm. also. But there's a lot of good brands out there and a lot of good places to get them. Your farm supply stores, big and small, Mm -hmm. are good places to get scratch grains. Chewy.com, you can get some scratch grains over there. So I know we want to talk about the different types. Right. So you have your classic like Purina. Purina has a good scratch grain. Five grade scratch. They have an organic and a regular. Right. And I think either one works. I've used them both. Yeah. Scratch grain is a thing that you're going to use starting in the fall and going into winter because a lot of them include corn. Yeah. Corn. Oats, barley. Things that are going to warm up a chicken right. versus cool them down. They're literally carbohydrates. Yeah. For sure. Do More, the TSC house brand. Correct. They make a couple of them. They have a seven grain, or they used to have a seven grain scratch grain. Wow. That my chickens loved. I haven't been able to find it, so I've been using their five grain. Right. And it's great. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Hen Up Organics is another good one. They've got fancy stuff in there. It's <laughs> really fancy scratch grains. They're a little bit more expensive. You're going to pay a little bit more for them. Yeah, you definitely are. But the scratch grains are so important. They're not a nutritional food. Right. They are a snack, essentially. We start to add some scratch grains in as the cool temperatures are coming towards night. And, you know, once you were in fall and the frosts have started and we're getting towards freezing, that's when we really start using them, especially at night. We'll throw some handfuls at at night. The carbohydrates take longer to digest, and so they're generating body heat. Yeah, usually people throw them so that the chickens can scratch for them. Right. It's kind of where the name comes from. They're scratching the ground to pick these up. It's a good boredom buster at that. It gets them scratching at the ground. They're picking those up. They're eating them. They're full of really good things. Carbohydrates are great. Right. And a lot of people can even make their own. You can buy the different grains and mix them. And mix them. Exactly what you want. Right. Remember, they're a supplement because you don't want to feed so many scratch grains that you're throwing off your chicken's good nutritional balance. The other thing is scratch grains should be given in the afternoon or early evening. Right. After the majority of their day is spent eating their real food. Exactly. We say this with all snacks. We've talked about it before in the podcast. You don't want to throw it out first thing in the morning. Right. I have a memory or vision of watching Cinderella. Yeah. And she's throwing scratch grains to the chickens in the very beginning. I think that comes from back before there was commercial feed, people would throw corn and grains. Exactly. So like Hen Up Organics, really most of these, they tend to have a base of corn. A lot of corn. Wheat, mm-hmm. like the red winter wheat or wheat like that, which my chickens don't always like. And I actually had a couple of weeks where they didn't eat the wheat and it rained and the wheat sprouted. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so yeah, they'll, they'll also have barley. Did they eat it once it sprouted? Yeah, they did. They They're like, sprouts. okay, I like it like this, yes. but not the They're other like, way. Geez, mom pays a lot of money for these. <laughs> so wheat. Barley, oats, and sometimes peas. 
Yeah, you know what I think I'm just seeing is that Purina actually now has an organic yes, scratch Yes, they brand, do. I've used that one as well. It's supposed to be really good. And the other thing is you can get that right on Amazon. Yes, you can. So if you can't make it to the farm supply store and you want to order on Amazon, you can get your scratch grains right on Amazon you. also. Right. Chewy, Amazon, either one. Flock Party. Flock Party has a great scratch grain. They have. It's pretty new scratch grains. I saw them and decided to try them. Now, they have a different ingredient that I've not seen up until now. Okay. Red lentils. And I remember you said your chickens loved it. Half of them love it and half of them don't. Are they different flocks? or Yeah, different the flocks. flocks. No different flocks. That's weird. I think what happens in the flock where they're all devoured, it's not all the chickens. It's only a core group of them. Oh. So I think I have this small band that love the lentils and then the rest of them just aren't crazy about them. <laughs> they're like, what the heck are you giving me, lady beans? <laughs> it's really funny because I'll walk in the flock and my Brahma coop where they don't eat the lentils. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk in and I'll see little lentils in the dishes. <laughs> they're going to sprout. Cl- <laughs> Yeah, I guess they could, actually. They, they could. haven't yet. But I'm like, okay, you guys clearly are not voting for the lentils. So there's a bunch of selections out there that you can go for. You can look at the ingredient list. And then if your chicken doesn't like it, start with a small bag. Try a different one. Mm-hmm. Organic versus non-organic. But we're coming into scratch grain season. Absolutely. So that's why we wanted to put this out there. Yeah. Start thinking about what you want to do, which one you want to get. And look at the ingredient list. Like you were saying, seven grain, that's almost unheard of. I love that scratch. I, yeah. I really hope if you're listening, TSC, please bring back the seven grain scratch. <laughs> it had, I want to say Milo in it, yeah. which is, you know, another kind of grain. Yeah. And like you said, you can mix up your own. Yeah. A lot of times what I will do with the I scratch. I think it's almost more expensive to do it yourself, though, to be honest It with probably you. is. Then you have to store all the bits. You have to store. You have to buy all the different things mm-hmm. and then mix it together. This is one of those things where it's commercially done for you. It's an extra step to do it. When it gets cold, I throw extra hands full of oats. Of course. In the scratch because they like it so much. And if you're a new listener and you're unaware of our stance on oats, (laughs) you can visit our website and check out our Real Deal on Oatmeal article article where we explain all the research that proves that oatmeal is not detrimental to your chicken. It's good for them. Very good for them. So... That's our deal on Scratch Grains Mm -hmm. today. So should we tell everybody what we're talking about next week? Next week, we're profiling another heritage breed, the Russian Orlov. Okay. We are chatting all about best practices for molting chickens. Because we're there. We really are. (laughs) Our recipe is a super easy morning egg bake. Yeah. I think that's probably great if you have kids going back to school. And our retail therapy, we are reviewing automatic coop door openers. Yay. Yeah. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening.